No, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and uh, boy, oh boy, we're going to talk about pro wrestling tonight. How about that? We're going to do that once again, and I say tonight because we record this live every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. You're currently watching this on demand. The recording has been done. I've edited it down a little bit, so it's a little more it's a little more fun to consume. It's a, it, it, it doesn't feel like you're just listening to a live stream, right? Of course, because there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in live streams. Fun nonsense. However, if you ever want to make it, if you can ever make it to a live recording, we'd love to have you. YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. But right now... I'd like you to leave a like. I'd like you to subscribe to the channel if you can. It's little little tiny things like that that can help out and grow the channel tremendously on YouTube. I'd appreciate it in advance if you do it. And if you're already a, mem- a subscriber, I... Gosh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, tremendously. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, well, hey, thank you as well. The audio is out there in podcast land. Uh, how about a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? How about a five-star rating on Spotify? Again, little things, but make a difference for growing podcasts, just like myself. Keep growing and growing and getting more reach and getting out there, and uh, I appreciate it a great deal if you if you help out. I also appreciate it a great deal if you join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord and come talk wrestling with a great community of wrestling fans. Uh, you know, you got to ditch the Twitter at some point. Twitter's a disaster. Come talk with like-minded people. People that won't jump down your throat, that won't, you know, throw eggs at your face. We're, we're a cool bunch of people. We'd love to have you. Link is in the description if you want to do that. Uh, you can also become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel and get access to members' exclusive stuff, like the weekly Going Broadway stream that happens every, uh, uh, every Friday over the lunch hour. And tons of other stuff. You become a member. It also serves a little bit of support for the show as well. Um, but look, all of the plugs are here. All the shit is done. We're going to talk pro wrestling. I've got, uh, look, Sakura Genesis. We're going to review it. We're going to talk a lot about New Japan because there's been a lot of news. But before we do, we're going to talk about a- We're going to talk about Jay White and AEW. We're going to talk about Triple H's big announcement. And we're going to talk about Tony Khan's big announcement. So let's get to it. Let's start it off with the weekly wrestling inspection. But first and foremost, absolutely out the gate, we are going to talk about the big announcement. Tony Khan's big announcement that uh, he, he, he had promised us last week on uh, AEW Dynamite. I talked about it a little on the uh, on the uh, AEW Dynamite review, which you should check out if you haven't already. But I said, you know, oh, we're going to revisit this. We're going to talk about it again. You know, so, so here I am talking about it again. Um, running Wembley Stadium this August is what AEW is going to be doing, and that is uh, that's tremendous. I'm going to read a bit of the uh, press release. How about that? During uh, tonight's live episode of AEW Dynamite from Long Island, New York, AEW CEO Tony Khan, star Adam Cole, and host Nigel McGuinness announced that AEW's highly anticipated UK debut will take place in London at the iconic Wembley Stadium on Sunday, August 27. AEW All in London at Wembley Stadium marks AEW's first show outside of North America and the first time Professional wrestling has taken center stage at Wembley Stadium in more than 30 years. Now, when was the last time that that happened? Of course, 
SummerSlam 1992, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, in what I would consider, I think, I, I think, mm, Bret Hart's greatest performance, I would say, right? I think that is Bret Hart's greatest in-ring performance of all time. Top three, if you want to start arguing with me, but the fact that Davy Boy was so was high out of his mind and was unable to make the match work in any way. The fact that Brett guided him through the entire thing, like was it I in in a main event in Davy's home country where he was bound to win the the IC title, right? capacity crowd of people just just nuts people just completely crazy for this match crazy for for, for Davy Boy Smith getting his due and he comes in and he's high as a kite and he can't work the match so Brett's like okay brother let's go follow my lead in in, in an iconic and a great match to boot I think that's uh, I think it's Brett's greatest performance And people look, you know, people have great memories of, of that event for, you know, good reason. It's very iconic, but I, that, that was you know, destined to be a shit show. Uh, a lesser wrestler than Brett would have, would have completely dropped the ball on this one. We would not be remembering it, you know, with a... With reverent tones like we are today, you'd be like, look, this match was a shit show. Now it's like Brett saved the main event. And it was great. Um so uh so yeah, so that's so basically 30 years since Wembley Stadium has had live pro wrestling there. I think this is a big deal. And I mean, look, I Whatever Tony Khan, whatever his connections, because people are, you know, people are people. Can't stop them from being people. Like, yeah, no, you know, how did he manage this? You know, so on and so forth. I'm like, look, the guy has connections up and down, right? The, 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 the guy has connections up and down. Like, what is the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the question that we have here, right? Like, he he works in he 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 works in 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 football in footy or soccer. He's in the big leagues over there. Of course, you know he knows these people. He has these connections. He knew who to talk to. I think there's you know there's a legitimate appetite for 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 pro wrestling now. And look, we'll get to that in a second here. Uh, the tickets are going to go on sale Monday, May fifth. Uh, there was a, there's pre-registration that's already up there to get access to event tickets. Um, not unlike here, you know, when you have to sign up for the newsletters and whatnot. So, so they have all that set up. Uh, I think Dave Meltzer was saying that there was already over 20,000 people who pre-registered. I don't know where they got, where he got the number, but hey, you know. Tony Khan had this to say, the UK is one of the most important markets in professional wrestling and AEW is coming in hot. As the number one wrestling company in the UK on television. 
We want our debut in London to be epic in scale and there is no better venue than Wembley Stadium to deliver what I know will be one of the greatest events in AEW history. This April also marks 100 years of Warner Bros and 100 years of Wembley Stadium. It's a fitting time to come together for AEW all in London at Wembley Stadium. And then they uh, they threw in some numbers regarding AEW's tremendous growth on TV uh, on TV in the UK on ITV4, which is um like that's a real if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I'm not yeah I could be, but if I'm not mistaken, ITV is like it's a proper like over the air network, right? If I you know if anyone from the UK wants to wants to call me out on it, but I think that's what it is. As opposed to Sky, which is cable, right? Or satellite, whatever. I think ITV is like an over, it's over the air, right? Something something to that effect. And, um, and so I'm excited to see, you know, how this is going to go. Um, and, and, but basically, you know, they're, they're saying here, uh, they're saying here in this, uh, in regards to these numbers, you know, uh, um, uh, Highest ratings driver for men ages 16 to 34 on ITV4 since the start of 2022. AEW reached 2.8 million men on ITV platforms in 2022 and began 2023 by increasing that reach by another 45% among uh, men ages 16 to 34. Yeah, see, yeah, ITV is a free channel. Thank you, Pete. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so those are, you know, I'll take their word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I'm I I'm not into the you know I I I, I barely you know I I, I I barely get the 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 data for um for American TV I don't get data for for Canadian TV I you know, it's like why would I be why why would I have access to to ratings data in the UK so I'll take their word for it here now. These, of course, are percentages. What does this, you know, 2.8 million men, AW reached 2.8 million men on ITV platforms in 2022 and began 2020. Like, reached 2.8 million. So that's not like, he's not saying on average 2.8 million. Is this a total? Is this, this is, look, this is press release talk. Brother, this is what I do for a living. You know, I know how to twist words around so that they sound good, but then when you start questioning, you're like, like in this circumstance here, I'm like, Wait, okay, 2.8 million men reached. So, you know, if I were writing that press release, that would that would be a very veiled way of me saying, hey, hey we've, we've tabulated, we've calculated, 2.8 million people have watched AEW since the beginning of the year. Now, are they the same people? Are they, well, you don't need to know that. You know, it's like... <laughs> um, so, um, so, you know, that's the thing, right? It's like... Uh, uh, 2.8 million seems impressive, but what is it on an average week? Is I, I would I am ready to put my hand to flame that this is not an average, you know, that this is probably a sum total of 2022. That's what I that's that that's what I'm picking up here. The number seems seems impressive, but it's not like 2.8 million per week. Uh, Christ, Tony Khan would be crowing that at the top of his lungs if that was his weekly average. Anyway. So uh, so this is where we're going. This is what's happening in August. 
and uh, and by all accounts, it would appear that we're still that a week later we're still getting all out because I think you know Anthony Bowen sort of let that slip on uh, on Twitter where he said you know I, I someone had asked the question and you're like no 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 we're 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 doing this and then we're doing all out the next week so okay well look we're we're going to see how this plays out <laughs> because as I mentioned on uh, the Dynamite Review when I was talking about this, here's the interesting thing. No mention at all on how to watch the show if you're not going to be live in the stadium, which I think is a, I think it's a fair strategy to do. I'm pretty sure they didn't uh, say that it was, uh, uh, that they, I'm pretty sure they, they, they didn't want to imply that it might be on television or you know, that you could purchase it from home. They want to fill this fucking thing out. They want to get 90,000 bodies in there well they're not going to get 90,000 like I'm getting ahead of myself but you know they want to fill this arena with bodies right they don't want people to know that they have the option to stay at home so you know people say you're not going to be on pay-per-view what a mistake and so yeah of course it's not going to be on pay-per-view yes it would be a mistake excuse me if it's not on pay-per-view absolutely 100% be a mistake I, I I don't see how this could even be possible you know, they're probably going to set up some, you know, some partnerships, some proper partnerships for the UK. I don't know what the, you know, maybe something different than what they usually do with fight. I don't know. Um, but we'll probably get this information as we get closer to the event. But as it stands right now, like there's nothing, there's nothing that says, oh, you will be able to watch this from the comfort of your own home. Right now, it's like, oh, you want to see this? You got to buy a ticket. I think that's a sound strategy for now. But I would be shocked, shocked, I tell you, if they didn't put this on pay-per-view because then I'd be like, oh, well, Tony Khan doesn't like money. I mean, I'm going to buy the first AEW pay-per-view in fucking Wembley Stadium, the first pro wrestling uh, 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 show in Wembley Stadium in 30 years, in three decades. I'm going to do it. So, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting omission, but I also think it's by design. I, I really do think it's by design. Now, if y'all thought the Forbidden Door discourse, the first one, if y'all thought the discourse leading up to Forbidden Door was insufferable and intolerable and fill, filled with bozos and phonies who tried to convince you that they knew what the hell they were talking about, uh, strap in, kids. Because we're going down that same road once again. Because now you're going to have, you know, business specialists of, of the business of professional wrestling who are going to tell you with aplomb that unless this sells out, this is a failure. Now, we're not going to get 90,000 people into Wembley Stadium. Why? No, Plugo, not you. By the way, hi, Plugo. Nice to see you. And Jermaine Presley. As well, nice to see you both. Um, we're not going to get ninety thousand people in Wembley Stadium, and it's not because I'm sitting here saying they're never going to they're never going to sell. Uh, they're going to need room for production. They're going to need room for a stage. They're going to need you know the usual shit that takes seating away from uh, from from the stadium. So until we know, so like that's a guarantee actually. There's not going to be 90,000 people in Wembley Stadium. That's 
That's just how it goes. Um, if um, if they if the show is a sellout, that will be a remarkable feat, and will be a a a, a testament to the uh, to the hitherto up to now the unknown <laughs> the unknown popularity unsung popularity of AEW until um until the uh, uh until it actually sat down there like uh, until it set up in, in, in the UK then we'll be like oh shit uh britain really loves its its britain really loves its uh it, 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 it's wrestling that is uh, bananas okay sure personally do i think they're going to sell out Let's say that let's say we end up with a I don't know eighty thousand seats ballparking it. We're gonna know in a couple of weeks, right? Um, but uh, the um, when I get when, when I take a look at this, I'm like eighty thousand. I don't I don't think they're going to fill out the complete arena. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a complete sellout. What would be a success? Yeah, I, I think half capacity is a success. But I'm talking, I'm not going to lie, I'm talking a bit through my ass. And anyone who's telling you that as well, who, think, who know that this is going to be a success at this moment, they're full of shit. They don't know. The only people who know is Tony Khan, probably Chris Harrington, you know, uh, probably fucking Jeff Jarrett. They know what, what target they need to hit. Right? I, I, I would feel like 45,000 is a half capacity. I think that's a success. I think that's great. I mean, it's the WWE strategy that they did like coming out of the pandemic, right? Running stadiums, but not filling them out, you know? They were running like 50,000 seat stadiums, 60,000 seat stadiums. They were, they were at, you know, 48,000, something like that. And they were like, and they were like, success. And, you know, the idea is run bigger venues, probably at a discount, especially when they, when they were coming out of the, uh, especially when they were coming out of the, uh, 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 um, of the pandemic where there were probably venues who were like, yeah, 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 here, uh, you know, come in, rent our shit and we'll make you a great price for it. So WWE goes in and, you know, fills as many tickets as they can inside the stadium. Don't necessarily sell it out. But the, the idea is like, well, we sold 20,000 more tickets if we had run uh, a basketball arena, for instance. So not bad. It's a, not a bad trade-off. And this, this, this idea that everything has to be a sellout regardless... Uh, as a as a form of of uh, 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 as the measuring pole for success is uh, is a bit ridiculous because the sellouts are an indication of how hot your product is and your product should be able to succeed without needing a sellout if if you need to sell out buildings to you know break even or hopefully not but you know or make you know start making a profit you know entering your profit margin uh your business model is fucked 
So there, there's a threshold that exists for this venue that Tony Khan is comfortable in going in where he's like, look, if we sell X thousand amount of tickets, we'll be fine. And then he says, well, we'll probably be able to do more, right? And there's data. There's, Tony Khan, is, he's a data guy. He's a numbers guy. You give him the data and he analyzes it. And he, you know, the whole business intelligence team over there absolutely has access to, to data that we don't see. And I'm talking above TV ratings, you know, outside of TV ratings, there were, there's probably other comparable uh, uh, data that they're looking at. There's maybe, hell, maybe they were running, maybe they were running some kind of uh, marketing campaign or, you know, we don't know, just stuff to pick up to try and get the pulse of what's going on. Of course, you know, they saw what happened with, you know, they saw WWE go in there, go in Cardiff go to Cardiff last year and they were they fucking sold the place out. They're like, why couldn't we do that? In fucking London. Don't have to drive all the way the fuck out to Wales in the countryside. We'll do it here. Like, you know, in the big city. There's probably all this data that they have access to. Plus, here's something that, you know, living in, living in you know, big countries like Canada, the United States, and I mean like, you know, physically, big like you know taking up a lot of landmass on the globe we it's not the same reality in europe where you can cross into another country like within the same day you can take a train to go to somewhere else and you know it you know it's it, it's a drive it's a you know or you know it, it's a short train ride away everything is connected by rails you know sure okay UK is not in the European Union anymore, but that, as, you know, if you think that's going to keep, uh, you know, people from France from going, Germans, sp uh, the Spanish, like tons of people from outside of the UK can and absolutely will converge there. You can't just, you know, it, when we do something in, in, in Canada or the U.S., you know, it generally doesn't draw that many people from other countries because, well, because our country is already so fucking big. <clears throat> we just want people from other states or provinces to come in. Um, whereas here, it's just like we'll get people from other countries. And that's a reality that exists as well. And that's probably, you know, they probably have some models on that, some data of people going to shows. And they probably have some really interesting data from the Cardiff show for some you know, in, in, in some shape way, in some shape or way, you know, I, I, I would be, I would be hard pressed to believe that Tony Khan is doing this, uh, without an incentive, without feeling confident that he can do it because he didn't do it in North America at all. Biggest stadium that he's run so far is uh fucking Arthur Ashe. That's like what? 26, 27,000 seats. It's a stadium. It's a tennis stadium. It's not, you know, Wrigley Field. Is that still a thing? It's not uh, the SoFi Center. You know, it's a you know, it's a good size uh, a stadium. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's not he's not he's not uh, uh, swinging for the fences. Now he is. So that there's a for him to 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 show that kind of confidence going in here, and I think it means something. So, <clears throat> everyone right now who is sitting around, you know, in their, in their podcasting chair or with their laptops on their laps, writing articles on the amount of seats that are needed to 
to that that are required to fill out uh, to to for AEW to consider all in a success uh, are, are full of shit. Um, they have no idea. They 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 really don't because there is so much more uh, 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 data that we don't have access to to determine whether this is uh, a success or not. Now, from a PR point of view, and this is where we can have these discussions and get, you know, get a little speculative if we want. If he sells out, this is a triumph, right? This is, it, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a huge victory. And a big, you know, and a big na 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 to WWE who hasn't run London in, 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 a, in a big stadium in years. And maybe success is the friends we found along the way. Um, but the, uh, but, the, but so like I said, from a, from a, from a, 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 a PR point of view, if he comes into here, if he ends up running Wembley and he gets like 80,000 people packed into that arena, whatever, you know, that's going to be a tremendous success. A sellout would be a tremendous success. Right, Just absolutely mind-bogglingly uh, uh, ridiculous success, and that's going to carry home as well. That's going to be a feather in their cap. It's going to be a big deal. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a it's going to be a huge deal. So, um, so then we 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 get to the point where 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 now we can start wondering amongst ourselves because you know in the chat we were throwing things around, we were throwing numbers around. From a PR point of view, you know, 60,000, 50,000. I feel 50,000 is a very good, it's a decent number. I think 50,000 would absolutely be a nice feather in the cap to come home to and say, look, we fucking did this. Size of the gate is X million dollars. Because they're gonna, this is going to be a multi-million dollar gate for them. It's going to be the first in the history of the company. No doubt about it. If they hit 50,000, there's going to be no doubt about it. But again, look, I'm going to, I, 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 hey, Motown Slim, nice to see you. Welcome. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put this out here right now. And I'm saying it right now. Um, the, the, the bozos, they're already out there. And they got, uh, they got uh, completely destroyed by Forbidden Door as far as attendance goes pay-per-view numbers go the business of, of Forbidden Door the original just blew all the bozos out of the water completely anyone was saying it's too niche uh, no one knows who these people are they're never it you know you, you know it's going to sell 20,000 buys on pay-per-view they can all hit the bricks And, and they're already at it right now saying that this is going to be a failure. That if they don't sell out, it's a failure. Now, I, I beg of you, do not entertain these people because then they feel like they're part of the discourse. They feel like their opinions matter and they don't. Anyone who is going to tell you it's a, a success can only be measured by a sellout is completely out of their mind. Otherwise, there would never be any concerts. 
No one would run stadiums for any type of concert. There wouldn't be uh, fucking summer festivals. If you needed every single ticket sold to be a success, that's nuts. To be successful just means making money. Was your operation profitable? Did you come out looking better in this than, than not? So I beg of you, and, and look, stick around to the best D-list podcast on the internet. I will, I will not steer you wrong. I've been taking so many victory laps recently. My legs are exhausted, my cardio shot, but I will keep taking them as long as I make sure that you, my audience, are steered down the road to enlightenment when it comes to this, to this stuff. And we'll absolutely be talking about this again. We'll see what the stadium setup looks like. We'll see how many tickets, how many tickets will be available. Because you know, yes, it will be all about the optics. And this is this is what will and, and and I will make sure to parse between the two. I will make sure that my analysis for you, folks, will be one part optics, one part business. So that we can have the clearest vision possible. How about that? Do we have an over-under? I say, look, over-under 50K. I think 50K is a good, I was saying 45. 45 is my baseline, but I think over 45. And I think that's safe. I don't even think it's that big, that, that hard of a bet to take, right? Now the question that is leading us into this, of course, what about CM Punk? Uh I've covered this. We've talked about this multiple times. Multiple times. Um, CM Punk, I really do sincerely believe CM Punk was on the way back to AEW. I think, I think things were starting to cool down. I think, uh, uh, you know, cooler heads were prevailing. I believe people were more inclined to having him, uh, back as long as apologies were administered and all that stuff. Like you really did feel like there was emotion uh, happening where CM Punk was going to be welcome back with open arms. Well, maybe not open arms, but welcome back uh, in a professional uh, setting. And then he does the Instagram post and then it just feels like everything went to shit again. And we're right back to where we were and um, and the analysis was basically, well, you know, do we need CM Punk back? Does AEW truly need him back? And there was a compelling argument to be made that uh, CM Punk should only come back in case of emergency because the ratings are not dying. They're not falling off. They're steady. Business is good. Pay-per-view wise, healthy. Like there's no, there's no cause for alarm. And au contraire, you still feel like there's room to grow. And I think recently... Dynamite has been on an uptick. I find that, it, you know, in a lot of the areas that it's been lacking, 
um, that, that's been lacking. They've been really good. They've been developing some really interesting things. I think they've got some great stories in the pipe. They've got some great matches. They're setting up some, some really interesting matches for Double or Nothing. Like I, it, It's feeling good right now. So, you know, like I said, there's an argument to be made for a lot of people saying that CM Punk should only come back in case of an emergency and there's no emergency. Now we're talking about filling up Wembley Stadium. Do you bring CM Punk back to do that? Because what I think it was, look, it's Dax Harwood. He talked about it on his podcast. And of course, Dax Harwood talks about something on his podcast and makes the news, right? He said, CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite should be at Wembley Stadium, right? That would be, he's still continuing his campaign. Bless his, bless his golden little heart. I've been championing that for the longest time at this point. Uh, CMFTR versus the Elite is the money match for AEW. That is the one that you pull the trigger on and uh, everyone is gushing money for, you know, they're stealing banks to watch this show. Don't steal money. That's wrong. To just, you know, an exaggeration to prove a point. Um, so, you know, so Dash is talking about it. Then you know what? Wembley, you know, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong in the sense that, uh, in the sense that you, if you have, CM Punk on the show, you are necessarily going to get some more draws. You are you are going to get more butts in the seats. I get I you know I know there's a lot of revisionist history and there's a lot of people who would like to say who who are saying at CM Punk uh, you know oh well he moved business but no 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 he moved business period there's no butts and he was oh the metrics were going down sure. We didn't we didn't see any opportunity for them to to respite because he got hurt and then the fucking you know the grape bomb and whatnot. I think he's still you know he he's still uh, worthy business wise. He absolutely is. The problem the the, the problem that we're encountering here is uh, well the decision I should say that Tony Khan has to do here is the same decision he's had to do for months now that he had to come to the conclusion as to whether or not we have to get rid of CM Punk. Um, the conclusion that he has to come to here is, do I want him back for this show? Right? And I don't know if CM Punk should be back because look, and I like CM Punk, and I enjoy, uh, I, 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 you know, his, he, look, I've talked about, I've talked about it so much, but it, at some point I don't even quite remember what I've talked about, but you know, it's like, I was excited for his redemption arc. I was excited for him to come back and be all smiling and comfortable and happy and work with the new guys, you know, all this shit. But Phil Brooks got in the way of himself again. So it's not a question of will CM Punk be a backstage problem again. It's when CM Punk will be a backstage problem again. Because it's inevitable. 
I don't know how many times this has to happen for people to realize that he's he he is the issue. He is the problem. Whether he's completely in the wrong or not is irrelevant. He becomes the lightning rod. He's the guy. He's the, you know, he's got the dark cloud with him. So, oh yeah. How how long is it going to take? How long is it going to take to get to this? Again, because it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And from, you know, all accounts, the locker room is doing good. People are doing things, you know, again, not everyone likes each other, which is understandable. I don't like all my coworkers at my day job, and I'm sure it's the same for you. But everyone gets along at a minimum where it's like, look, we, got, we just got to work together and push through what we have to do and make some money. That's what we got to do, right? And can Phil do this? I don't know if he can still do that. I don't think he has it in him anymore. I think he's, I think he's too soured. I think he's too much himself. And you can see it in the Instagram posts. He's... He's, you know, he's tunnel visioned and he's, he's just ready to burn it all down again. And that's just who he is. And he rubs people the wrong way because of it. Is it because he's too outspoken? He doesn't have a filter? Is that sure? I can buy all of that. But then if this is an ingrained personality trait, look, we're going to see what happens. Personally, I don't think you need CM Punk for this. But I look, let's say tickets go on sale in, in May. In just a couple of weeks, in three weeks. Tickets go on sale. And we're past Forbidden Door. And there's still like, you know, 28,000 tickets sold. I'm Tony Khan. I've got CM Punk on speed dial. What, what, what I'm I'm you know I'm 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 just a man you know I'm just a man I I I want I, I need my I need my 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 big stadium show to sell tickets what am I supposed to do what do I do give him a call but you know if we're hovering around our targets that we were talking about and this will also be an indicator as to whether uh, uh, the amount of tickets sold was a success or not. Because if we get, let's say, to 50,000 tickets, let's say we get to 50,000 tickets and CM Punk is never brought in. We, ne we don't even hear a peep from him. It's, we're, we're compl it's completely erased. We're having people up and down the board. We're getting you know people from New Japan, whatever. The card is all set. 50,000 tickets sold. No CM Punk on the horizon. That means it was a success. That means financially for AEW, this show did not require, you know, a break glass type of situation. Though that will be actually, you know, that could possibly be, potentially be an indicator as to what the level of, what amount of tickets was needed for the show to be considered a success by AEW. Doesn't have to be a sellout. So if people go in and, well, they only sold 50,000 tickets. If they had brought Punk in, they would have sold 30,000 more. Sure. Probably, I don't know, but at what cost 
Because if the show is successful and you bring in a known, you know, backstage toxic presence just to sell 20,000 more tickets on an event or whatever, that's a... It's a hard decision. It's a hard call. I'm not going to lie, but... You know, I wouldn't necessarily do it just to get the just to get the sellout. That's just me. I wouldn't risk my locker room for that. Does that make sense? So, in the 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 parallel here between Wembley Stadium and uh, 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 CM Punk coming back, I think it's going to be a very interesting parallel to follow. That's going to be a developing story as well. This is all exciting stuff, folks. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know. The, I mean, you know, I am stoked for all of this. It's going to be great. It's going to be, it is going to be such a good time. And the lead up to all this, anyone who gets mad about it, it's, it's their problem. Since we're uh, talking about AEW, Jay White showed up on uh, AEW programming last week on Dynamite. Attacking... Ricky Starks. Now, I, I already, look, if you are a regular listener of the AEW Dynamite Review here on the Mr. Warren Hay Show, you already know I've taken my victory lap. I've taken multiple victory laps, but I took one. I'm not going to take it again. i got to conserve my energy for all the upcoming big W's that I'm going to be taking soon. He runs in uh, to, uh, to throw out the match. Between uh, Ricky Starks and uh, Juice Robinson. And uh, 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 he gets the... So he attacks Ricky Starks. Leaves him dead in the ring. Uh, and we get uh, now the formation apparently. Well, he gets the graphic I should say. Jay White. Uh, and uh, and apparently we are getting the start of AEW... Excuse me. Bullet Club Black and Gold. Yeah. Uh, so that ends that level of speculation that uh, Jay White was on his way to World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, reports uh, coming out of the entire situation say that there was a bidding war for uh, for Jay White between AEW and WWE. AEW got the uh, got uh, got to, to sign him, and good for him, good for them. That's a that's a you know regardless of what you felt about his uh his his career in in new japan and you know jay white has a fair share of of detractors out there um he was a big free agent he was a huge free agent and um and you know if he felt that this was the best fit for him the most money whatever good for him good for jay white um so uh so he's Firmly entrenched in AEW. Like I said, it looks like him and Juice are going to be calling themselves the AEW Black and Gold. And we're going to talk about this a little later, but it would seem like El Fantasmo might end up being a part of that because uh, there was merchandise released earlier this, uh, well, last week, I should say, for AEW, uh, for Bullet Club, I should say. Bullet Club, Bullet Club. Bullet Club Black and Gold. With uh, Switchblade J. White stuff, with Juice Robinson, and El Fantasmo, which is interesting. Because if El Fantasmo, look, I've been a big El Fantasmo guy. 
I really like him. Liked him for a while. I've, you know, I maintain that if North American audiences get, North American audiences are going to love ELP. They're going to get on board with him. He's super charismatic. He's a fantastic, fantastic show off. Great wrestler on top of that. He's got all the tools. So he comes in. He shows up on AEW TV. There's going to be people who are never going to see him. Uh, will have never seen him before. They're going to go, holy shit, who is this guy? I think he's on the cusp of some big time shit. I think out of all of this, Jay White is a big signing. Don't get me wrong. But if ELP is on his way to AEW, uh, he is, uh, he's going to be a, he has all the potential to be a breakout star that people are really going to attach to. He's, uh, he's got all the tools to make him a big star in North American pro wrestling. Get back to talking to Jay White a little bit here. I'm, um, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Jay White in AEW and how he adapts to it. Um, it will be... Again, okay. I'm trying to say too many things at once. There are a number of people who are Jay White detractors who, you know, who just can't stand his matches, who are just, you know, I think he's too long in the tooth, so on and so forth. And, and, and there was a time I would have very likely agreed with them, uh, but I think Jay White has been in, uh, has been uh, in a constant state of improvement. Like he has just been over, uh, over delivering on his career time and time again. You know, for the longest time, I would say uh, very overtly and, uh, and loudly that he was the best old school North American heel and he's working in Japan. And I still believe that. I still, as, he, as far as heel work goes, I think he's still one of the best. Top two, top three right now. And his in-ring is just, has improved. And his skill set has, has, uh, has, uh, 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 has been flexing rather significantly over the past, well, since returning from the pandemic, since he won the, uh, the IWGP World Championship, he's just been, I think he's been phenomenal. Now, is his style, you know, I think one of the reasons that people get really annoyed at Jay White matches is because he's, um, because the matches he's in are so long and you know he's not he, you know he's not running the high energy you know the high energy uh, 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 strong style stuff like he's he's a he's an old school heel who does old school shit and you know so I think that when it comes to the you know the big 30 minute main events the 30 35 minute main events which I think maybe were at a disadvantage for him depending on who his dance partner was I'm really curious to see how he's going to adapt. And I have a funny feeling that the tighter TV times in North America, the more, uh, the more uh, regulated match times are going to be to his advantage. I think a, a, a more concise, you know, put together, like, yeah, uh, uh, not put together, but a more concise concisely produced match for Jay White is going to be advantageous for him. I think we might see stuff out of Jay White that we didn't expect. You know, Kristen and I, we were 
chatting about it the other the other night. We were having a laugh because one of the things that he's going to have to adapt to is his potty mouth. Yeah, Jay White he likes to curse in 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 the ring. He likes quite a bit. So um, and during his promos and whatnot. So he's going to have to he's going to have to dial that down. Sure, you know, on TBS they'll let uh, they'll let an S word fly by. You know, once in a while. You know, so asshole bullshit. They'll let those fly by. But, you know, Jay's language can get a little more uh, colorful. Stuff that he won't be able to do. So I'm also interested in seeing how that is going to play into his persona. But there's something that tells me. There's something, I, you know, I feel like, you know, instead of having Jay White having to go through, uh, you know, several... You know, heat spots where he has to, where he's slowing things down, slowing things down because he's the heel. Because, you know, oh, the main event has to go 30, 35, 40 minutes. Um, maybe like a, you know, a 12 minute TV match is going to be really good for him. A 20, 25 minute, you know, pay per view match, I think that will also be beneficial. And he's working a completely different style as well, something a little more theatrical and so. I'm really interested. I'm really, I'm really interested, super curious as to how all of this is going to come together. But I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about Jay White in AEW. And again, look, I might be biased because I'm a Jay White guy. I, I, I like his stuff, and I think he's, I, I, you know. I think he overall, I think that the, the the disdain that he generates is unjustified. <clears throat> I think he's much better than a lot of uh, the punditry let on or want to let on, you know. And I, you know, and at the same time, I can also appreciate where people are like, "Look, man, I just can't, I can't watch his matches anymore because X, Y, and Z." Right, that's fine. But to go ahead and say, "Oh, Jay <clears throat> White is terrible, and he'll always be terrible." Ugh. That, 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 that's not good faith that's that's ridiculous so I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what the next step is uh, and I th something tells me AEW is going to be very good for him and the formation of a black and gold bullet club I mean you know see how that goes I'm going to I've got more thoughts on bullet club but I'm going to save them for later like I said you know Juice is obviously in it El Fantasmo is clearly earmarked. There's, he has merch out for him. Hey, you know what? We were talking about uh, Tony Khan having a big announcement, which was Wembley Stadium, of course. Uh, not to be not to be outdone by anyone, right? You, you, you got damn right, Mr. Warren Hayes show greater than NXT. Um, Triple H, not to be grandstanded or anything, he as well had a big announcement. He had a huge announcement to make this past Friday on Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. <clears throat> on Fox. And everyone was speculating what this big announcement could be. All the way, you know, and most most everyone was like, oh, it's just, he's just going to come out here to tell us that Vince is not in control, that he's, that nothing's going to change. It's going to be a rehash of what happened on Monday. 
But it turns out his announcement was that there was there's going to be a draft. There's going to be a new edition of the World Wrestling Entertainment Draft. Starting when you ask, oh, I'm glad you asked me that question. I'm glad you you threw this question to me. The, the, the draft will be starting in the next few weeks. Oh, wait, like, do you have a specific date? No, I do not. Chief Creative Officer, Chief Officer of Creative, the Officer Chief in Charge of Creation, Triple H, Paul Levesque, told us, that there would not be an exact date. No, in the next few weeks. Now, what is a few? Is a few two? No, that would be a couple. Three weeks? That is a triumvirate. Not a few. So, maybe four, five, six. Yeah, now nah, that seems more like it. He also said that it would involve all WWE wrestlers, which got the peoples rubbing their hands together saying, Oh yeah! How about some NXT people? Oh yeah! We don't know if that means what that, that NXT people or not. Uh, if I am in NXT, I'm hoping so. I want that. I want that six-figure deal. Maybe. You know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, in this edition of the draft, uh, 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 Gableson, G G Clark Gableson, Gable Steveson, <laughs> maybe Gable Steveson will be drafted to SmackDown this time around. Maybe they'll have his parents once again, you know, sitting in their living room and then go up, yay, and cheer. For Gable Stevenson. It was so... Okay, listen. I didn't even know there was still a brand split. And look, I, I'm going to be on. Look, I, I'm having fun with the, 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 the Triple H and Vince who's running creative stuff. I think it's a great meme I think it's funny as hell. Who cares? It's fun. You know, oh, you guys were wrong. Vince isn't involved in creative. He's just, you know, calling in on Zoom calls to give some notes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just enjoying this. Because look, nothing says, nothing says Vince McMahon than brand split. Nothing to me in my brain rhymes more a Vince McMahon production than the brand split. Than the than SummerSlam, excuse me, Survivor Series being the one time a year Raw and SmackDown uh, superstars face each other, right? All that bullshit. That is Vince. The brand supremacy stuff and the brand split and the draft. Frankly, I didn't know there was still a brand split. As a casual viewer of WWE, and as you know, I am the prime target, right, for WWE viewership, I tune in and I see the Usos drafted to 
Friday Night Smackdown on my Monday Night Raw last night. And I was like, well, isn't that... The, we're just, you know, the, the valves are open, right? I see uh, 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 Raquel Gonzalez and Liv Morgan. And, uh, and they're on my... They're, they're on my thing. Uh, you know, Rey Mysterio on Raw showing up on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. So I'm like, there's no more brand split. This is fine. Let's just have... But no, there clearly still is a great divide within the, 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 the locker room of WWE superstars. Um... And I don't know why people get excited about it. You'd think that at this point they would have learned that the draft is, it's all smoke and mirrors and it is the promise of something new. And then it turns out that it's just, it, it's nothing. It's nothing. And it's just back to basics. It's the usual, it's the usual shit. And we're just moving on. We're just doing shit. We're just doing stuff. And it doesn't matter. None of it matters. So, you know, my, 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 my good, good pals over at the Smackin' It Raw podcast, podcast, specifically Matt Ritter, shout out Matt, love you to bits. Now, I was, on his podcast uh, on Friday, he was, you know, he was lamenting this, as it should, saying, just give me a fucking brand split. If you're going to do it, create the divide, but stop this porous integration of, you know, people flipping around from everywhere. And I think... What Matt should be calling for at this point is just stop, stop it all. It, there's no point to it. There's no point to a brand split. There's no point to uh, 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 doing drafts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because all, ultimately, all you're doing is pigeonholing yourselves into creating the same matches over and over again. You have a large roster of people just... Have them fight whenever. Oh, but Warren, yes. Warren, it also getting teased in that you have uh, not always the same people on my television. There's a brand split going on right now and it's always the same people on TV. What are we talking about? And, and if the people who are on TV are good and interesting and capable wrestlers and good characters, why wouldn't you want them always on your television? Why would we have to create a situation where it's like everyone get, has to get TV time? Well, the roster is so big. Oh, fire people. <laughs> no, but I, you know what I mean? It's like you don't have to put people on for the sake of, of putting them on television. You know, it's like Shanky. You know, Shanky used to be on television because he was a big, uh, he was a, a, a big dude that would shake his ass and Vince thought it was funny so we put him on TV week after week but frankly none of us needed to see Shanky on TV what did he bring to the table that I couldn't have Kevin Owens do instead outside of the fact that just well he can't because it's Smackdown and he's on Raw kind of thing does that make sense the idea Like, put people on TV that people want to see. It shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be. I, sometimes I feel it fucking is. But it should not be that hard. But, you know, th this, th this, this regard, in this regard, 
<coughs> in this regard, Kurt Pope, nice to see you and welcome to the chat. In this regard, however, it, you know, despite the fact, like, outside of me thinking, you know, well, who's in charge, Vince or Triple H, that, 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 that discourse, which I think is really funny. And I think, you know, I think Vince has his fingers in it regardless, whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, whether your, your brain wants to wrap its head around it or not. Vince McMahon did not come back to not be in control, okay? And I think that everything that's happened over the past uh, couple of months should be proof of that. So if, you, if you're adamant in believing that Triple H is absolutely 100%, no Vince influence and charged, in charge of WWE, hey, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've got, so, I've got, uh, I've got some timeshares uh, to to introduce you to. You know what I mean? Because I, I, you know, I, but I absolutely do believe that this announcement was thrown out there to change the discourse, to deflect. Because now, a lot of the very adamant a, a WWE fans are like oh why are you still talking about vince we got a draft coming up and now everyone's talking about the drafts and now you know everyone's going to do their mock drafts on their podcast which is fine don't get me wrong but we have to at least be able to admit that this was made to deflect to move attention away from being hey you know what uh, look tonight on smackdown we don't want to hear about was vince in charge or not here have a draft and it carries over and then people on Monday were like, oh, look at all the possibilities for the draft. And no one's, you know, it's deflection. It's deflection. And this is going to be something that, you know, uh, people who uh, people who work in wrestling media and who are, you know, who have contacts, who get the scoops. This is what, you know, all this is what they're going to be tweeted. People are going to be tweeting at them and asking them, hey, you got any scoops on the draft? Hey, do you know who's going to the draft? Hey, you know who's going to be available in the draft? Is NXT going to be available in the draft? That's what WWE wants. That's what they want people talking about as opposed to Vince forcibly taking over the company and then merging it with, with UFC while he remains in a position of authority uh, within the new organization that's being created. While giving real no real uh, security to the shareholders as to whether or not they're going to have a, a good deal out of this. Anyway. Anyway. I also heard that... I um, also heard that... Uh, uh, um, just really quickly. Roman Reigns defeating Cody was always the plan. According to Dave Meltzer, in the newsletter, um, he said, quote, Reigns winning was always the plan, although it was kept secret and almost nobody knew. And I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's better. You know, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's better. <laughs> if that was the plan all along. Look, anyway, I, 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 
here's the thing. If this was the plan all along, good for them. They're sticking to their plan. But there's nothing more WWE than sticking to the plan, right? Don't diverge from the plan. This this is what was supposed to happen, right? Because now, you know, the mental gymnastics from all, from the WWE universe at this point is all about, he's going to win money in the bank, which is preposterous. Cody Rhodes should not win money in the bank, right? Oh, save it for, save it for WrestleMania next year. In the city of brotherly love, the birthplace of America, the the American Nightmare. I'm like Jesus Christ, people. And then, uh, uh, and then, oh, he's going to go through hard times. This is the new head cannon that people have. Now it's like, oh, he's going to go through his hard times. And and I'm like, are we still making this about Dusty? Which which is proof that this story, you know, so the story continues. It's going to, you know, we're going to finish it eventually. But the story hasn't finished. The story is still the same thing. If we're going, if the idea is to have Cody go through hard times. And then people, oh, he has been with the WWE for less than a year. He has to prove himself. Oh, yeah. Cody Rhodes now, you know, has to, he has to pay his dues. He's got to, he's got to carry some bags in and out of the bus, right? Jesus Christ. I don't know what people, I, 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 you know what, this, uh, anyone who wants to make up scenarios on how this, you know, oh, well, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work, that's fine. I just want people to have the, 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 the presence of mind to realize that they whiffed an opportunity to have something really special. At WrestleMania this year, having Cody defeat Roman, they completely whiffed it. Because the level of drama and effervescence and desire was at peak levels. They will not be able to reproduce that. They won't. And why didn't they do it? For the sake of the plan. For just to stick to the plan. As opposed to doing what pro wrestling essentially is, is getting immediate feedback from your audience and reacting to it. And this, of course, is counter to the philosophy that I just spoke about not too long ago, just a few minutes ago. I was telling y'all, if you have the match, run it. Do the fucking rematch. If you have, they had a tremendous, a huge main event. Where they could have consecrated Cody Rhodes as a top guy in the company. He still is a top guy, but this would have been like a like the confirmation, the elevation. Where he truly is the top guy in the company. But no, they want to... What are they doing? Why are they doing this? And people are telling me, like, well, they want him to hit a thousand days on his... Roman, they want him to hit a thousand days of his reign to make it legendary. How is it legendary? What is the what is this one thousand day reign about? Why one thousand? That is, you know, why not nine hundred and forty-two? Why a thousand? Why is that significant? He still won't have beaten Bruno. He still won't have beaten Pedro. I'm pretty sure he won't have beaten Bob either. He won't have beaten Hogan either. So what's legendary about it? I don't understand. 
And it's not as if the it's not as if his his quality of opponents has been top notch throughout. And it's he's been cheating to win on top of that. These even this isn't like these great outstanding matches with these excellent conclusions. Like I don't understand why sticking to the plan was so crucial, and I don't understand why people are still behind this. Because again, I can't point it out enough. We're back to square one with the bloodline story. We're exactly back to where it was and where it's always been. Roman and underlings he doesn't trust. It's the constant, it's the same fucking story. Over and over and over again. And we're back doing it again. No, Roman doesn't want to see the Usos because he doesn't trust them. And then Jay is going to have to prove himself. And then Jimmy's going to have to prove himself. And then Jay's going to get all pouty again at some point. And then maybe Roman and Jay. I've even had people saying Jay should be the guy to take the belt off of them. I promise you, there are people with their fantasy booking that I would, I promise I would not watch their, I would not watch their wrestling promotion if they were handed the keys to it. I just wouldn't watch it. Why would you make Jay Uso the champion? When Cody Rhodes, who was, who is absolutely a top guy, a championship level guy, a guy that they want to be out there doing media and promotion and being the face of the company. Why would you, what does Jay Uso have to offer on that, on that level? It's not even the same thing. <sighs> Stick to the plan, I guess. I'm excited to see how this plan works out because right now, I have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea what they're doing. And I got people trying to justify me that, well, you know, Cody versus Brock at, you know, in Puerto Rico it didn't need the title. It didn't need it, but it could have been cool to have Cody beat Brock Lesnar back to back WWE doesn't know how to make stars anymore. It doesn't know how to heat someone up anymore. Could you imagine? Just think about it. Put this in your mind for a second. Think about it. Cody Rhodes defeats Roman Reigns, ends the reign of terror at WrestleMania 39. Then on the following pay-per-view, fights Brock Lesnar in the main event for the Universal United Federation Championship and wins he beats Roman on one pape, and on the next pape, he's beating he's beating Brock. That fucking rules. That's something I could get into. But knows that mm, wasn't time. Just 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 wasn't time yet. Now we're going to get into some reviewing of pro wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling Sakura Genesis 2023 happened this weekend uh, on April 8, 2023. I'm going to tell y'all, guys, gals, non-binary pals, one of my top three shows of the year so far. And, in a, and this is in a, in a year where we have been year... So far, this first quarter, or so, we're, we're you know we're in April. Okay, it's not exactly the first quarter anymore, but 
We've been blessed with excellent wrestling pay-per-views or PLEs, whatever you want to call them. Like between this and Revolution and Wrestle Kingdom and WrestleMania Night 1 and Supercard of Honor, everyone is putting their best foot forward. And and this this was just like a it, it, it's an explosion of greatness. And I'm and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm just like I'm like in, in like I'm in a in aromatherapy and 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 all the aromas that are around me they're, they're just like stimulating every single last sense that I have. I can feel it up and down my, my from the, my fingers to my toes and I don't know if aromatherapy works that way. I'm assuming that's how it works that you that you you, you know you inhale beautiful scents so that you know it will take over your body and and you'll feel things that you don't necessarily have that you don't usually feel. This is how I feel with all the wrestling we had. Like everyone has in the past two months and a little further, like if you want to start to the from the start of the year with, with Wrestle Kingdom, everyone has been just delivering and over-delivering in some circumstances. We're spoiled. I, it's been a while since I've said it, but we are. I agree. Chat, we're spoiled. And Sakura Genesis, on top of it being a good wrestling show, was super eventful. Lots of news coming out of there. Another top-tier show by New Japan. Happened at the uh, Rio Goku in Tokyo. Let's get to it. Let's start talking about it. Show opened up with uh, the Sinichi Champion Grand Prix Celebration Six-Man Tag Match. This was a this was a a, a mystery partner match that was set up for Toru Yano. It was a mystery match period where Toru Yano, I don't know, they were doing some sort of synergy thing with uh, TVSIE, right? Some sort of award. I, I look, I don't know what's going on. Doesn't matter. <coughs> but the th what, what they were doing here is that Yano was going to have all of his uh, partners and opponents booked by a TV personality, right? And she decided to, uh, so she decided to book uh, uh, Yano against uh, Elda, uh, 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 um, El Desperado, right? Hiroshi <laughs> Tanahashi and Yo against him, the team of him, Great Okan and Minoru Suzuki, two of Yano's nemeses. Is that the plural? Nemesis, nemeses. Two of his, uh, two members of Yano's rogue gallery. How about that? So, Great Okan and, 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 and Suzuki were on his team. He was, he came in completely blind. People were, the, the wrestlers were being announced. The crowd was into it. There were shenanigans. And look, the crowd ate it up. We ended up with, we, we did end up, and, 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 Yano gets the win in this match, by the way. And we end up with some stories being set up, regardless of the fact that this was a bit of a, you know, was a bit of a comedy match. Uh, Great Okan and Minoru Suzuki were sort of wailing on each other on this one uh, towards the end. And uh, and some 
some basis for some uh, best of Super Juniors tournament, which we assume is coming up, but we didn't. We got tons of news, but no best of Super Juniors news. Um, but um, best of Super Juniors coming up, and between uh, you know there was some uh, there were some uh, disagreements between El Desperado and Yo, despite the fact that they were on the same team. Interesting stuff. I mean, the match was fine, you know, nothing to write home about. It was mostly about the shenanigans, but it was entertaining. Then we had a six, another six-man tag match. United Empire uh, squad of Aaron Hanare, Francesco Akira, and Jeff Cobb defeated the House of Torture. Dominant showing by the United Empire here. And you know what? As I was watching these guys come in, because, you know... Yeah, you know, you have, uh, you, you, as I was watching them come in, the, the whole crew, it really dawned on me. Is there a, currently, a faction slash stable of pro wrestlers out there that are more elite than United Empire right now? That look and feel like, Great competitors, great wrestlers that feel like they all come together in a great unit, you know? Think about it. Will Ospreay, Ozzy Open, Great O'Conn, Jeff Cobb, TJP, Francesco Akira. Who am I forgetting? Aaron Hanare. Aaron Hanare, who, by the way, I was able to catch up with it. What was it? It was on the, uh, it was, let me see here. Pull out my notes here. April 2nd, I only watched it a couple of days ago, had a spectacular uh, King of Pro Wrestling match against Shingo Takagi on the April 2nd Road to Sakura Genesis show. And the King of Pro Wrestling bullshit is pretty much that, right? But Shingo is making it work. Shingo is like he, you know... It, Yano had it for the longest time and they were doing, you know, all these goofy steps and whatnot. But Shingo's mastered the King of Pro Wrestling match where it's not just like, we're going to wear bags over our heads. Winner, uh, the winner is the guy who isn't locked up in a dog kennel. Like, none of that bullshit. This match here, this match, the stipulation was the first guy to beat the other guy with, with a pinfall, a submission, and by knockout wins the match. So you had to do all three to, to, to get the win over the guy, the other guy. What, this was a 40-minute match that felt like it was 20 minutes. This match fucking ruled. And Hanare, ah, he is. You know, you know, we talk about WWE and their plans and whatnot, but you know what? Gato ain't perfect either. And Gato is very much a guy where stick to the plan, right? But Aaron Hanari is a guy right now that I would I would shuffle up the plans to get him into bigger spots. Cause this shit ruled. And this guy, this guy can hold his own against the likes of Shingo Takagi, who again is probably one of the Greatest wrestlers doing it right now on planet Earth. Because he's proved it again. I'm looking at my notes here. Look, I took I took three and a half pages of notes. 
for this match. It was brutal. It was, it was brutal. It was grueling. It felt like a fight. It felt like the guys were running through hoops to try and get the win off of, uh, off of the other guy. Hanari was fantastic. Brought out his submission game in this. He is such a versatile wrestler. And he's positioned as a as a brute, right? Where the, you know, the with the rampage and the full Nelson and you know, big power moves, the spears and whatnot. He's a big power move kind of guy. And then next thing you know, he's got a he's got a more than a competent ground game. He's got a really good ground game. And he's got I I want him to come back to the full look that he had when he when he did his repackaging. When United Empire started, you remember when he came out the first time and he had the gloves with the sunglasses and he looked like, he looked like, it looked like Chono had decided to beef up, right? He looked so badass. I want him to come back to that. Don't sleep on Aaron Hanari. This is a guy who can, ha who could do business anywhere. He is fantastic. What a fucking star. Anyway, that match will... But that happened on April 2nd. And you should absolutely check it out. Personally, it's a match of the year. I think you need to go out of your way to see that match if you haven't. Because that, that shit ruled. Absolutely. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. Just five guys in a trio. Duki, Taichi, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeated the LIJ squad of Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, match uh, comes to an end when the uh, the five guys, the three guys of the five guys, this is going to be so confusing moving forward. What a terrible name. We get uh, submissions on all the LIJ guys at once, but uh, Kanemaru was the legal guy, got it on Bushi, Bushi taps. Um, match was okay. I mean, it was just it was just fine. Uh, this was significant, though, to establish just five guys, and then you die. What is the thing? I <laughs> What is the thing that Taka says? Just five guys, you will die. Hang on. <laughs> uh, I gotta pull it up here. Uh, just tap on. No, that's not it. It's something. Anyway, like it doesn't matter. I thought I could find it quickly, but he's got a new. He's got it. He's got it. Some kind of new catchphrase for the. It's you will die or something like that. But the just five guys had to be established. They established themselves as uh, as dominant. Look, smart booking by Gato. You're getting in a new faction. You want them to feel important. Take out the most beloved wrestling faction in Japan. Okay, that's a statement. That's a statement that would carry on later on in the evening. We'll get to that, of course. But uh, no, this makes sense. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that makes sense. And then on top of that, you've got uh, Dookie egging Naito onto a match in this one here. And I'm like, okay, so 
Ghetto is really in a let's try some shit out kind of mood, apparently, right? That's fine. Let's let's go ahead. Uh, and um, and then Kanemaru getting the the submission win here would be significant again a little later on in the evening. And we got a six-man tag match between the Bullet Club members of Dave Finley, El Fantasmo, and Kenta. They defeated the Gorillas of Destiny, Hikaleo and Tamatanga, along with Master Owato. Fine little match, but that's not the story here. Finally, Finley and ELP are going after each other throughout the match. They, you know, they can't stand each other. And after the match, finally, ELP gets kicked out of Bullet Club. Uh, Dave Finley, Kenta, Gato, they all gang up on him. Uh, then at some point, uh, uh, um, Ishimori runs in to apparently protect his tag team partner, right? Because they're a Bullet Club's best tag team. And, uh, but no, he gangs up on him too. There is, there are no friends, no honor among thieves. Never forget that. This was, yeah, so, uh, so he's officially been uh, kicked out of Bullet Club. He got the Bullet Club send-off that uh, Jay White did not get. <laughs> or Kenny Omega, for that matter. Um, so, uh, so there you go. So that's why I was talking about earlier when I was talking about uh, uh, Jay White heading over to, to uh, AEW. This is why I'm saying, I'm like, okay, well, there we go. He's in AEW Black and Gold. Uh, you know, his merchandise has been, uh, not AEW. Why do I keep saying AEW Black and Gold? Bullet Club Black and Gold. Uh, he's got his uh, his merchandise already set up with the black and gold colors and whatnot. And uh, look, I, I, can, I only see this as a positive for ELP flying over to North America and doing this shit. Doing this shit on... AEW on, on, on live TV on Wednesday nights. I, I, I am convinced. Like, they book, if they book this guy to let him be, to let his personality shine, North American audiences are going to eat this guy up. You know, he's going to be one of those where, uh, it's going to be one of those where people are going to, who the fuck is this guy? And then in a couple of weeks, they'll be like, Christ, this guy rules. And those of us who have been watching New Japan for a while, it's like, yeah, he's he's been ruling for a while. Welcome aboard. So I'm all in favor of this, if this is what it means. If he, you know, leaves Japan for a while or whatnot. I can't help but feel, I can't help but feel like right now, the Bullet Club in Japan feels like a B team now more than ever. I, I, I can't be the only one who's thinking that, right? It, it Look, Dave Finley is the leader de facto right now. Pr pretty sure there's going to be some controversy with, you know, Jay not being completely expelled and whatnot. But... Um, Dave Finley is the de facto leader. You've got uh, Kenta. You know, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Taiji Shimori. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Crown Jewel. 
I'm draw I'm drawing a blank. Chase Owens. Right? I'm talking I'm talking those established in Japan right now. We're not going to talk about impact and so on and so forth, right? It's just like you know and and House of Torture is kind of still sort of affiliated with Bullet Club and you know not exactly the not exactly some shining members in there either. You know, Yujiro, Evil, Fale. I, you know, I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is getting a little rough now. It, it, it's getting a little rough at this point. It really does feel like a B team now. Whereas, you know, you turn around, you get you 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 know, you fixate on on North America and you've got well Jay, right? Who's there? Who is a superstar? Juice is juice, whatever, but you know, ELP is a star on the rise. Uh, you've also got a lot of potential for some crossover with Impact. You've got Ace Austin and Chris Bay, who are fantastic. And then you also have uh, some stuff with, uh, you know, there's also former Bullet Club members hanging around AEW as well. Look, the my point right now is that the, the Japanese, like the home office, feels a little light right now. Doesn't feel like they have the, the, the top tier uh, talent to drive the company into the future right now from the home office. Feels a little, uh, feels a little strained. And, you know, I'm willing to give this Dave Finley thing some time. I, you know, I'm, I am pro him trying something out. I think it's been working out for the best, for the better part of it. I think he's been, it's been much more compelling. I like his Bullet Club look, the setup that they have going with him. But see, right now he's going to be challenging for the Never title. Like this is not, it feels weird to have a Bullet Club leader who is not inserting themselves into the, uh, into a world title picture. Like an AJ Styles, like a Kenny Omega, like a Jay White. It, it, it really feels mid. You know, and I see in the chat, you know, it's a, you know, this is an argument we hear quite often. It's like Bullet Club should have been broken up years ago. They should have ended this shit while it was still hot. You know, I think there's been some resurgences. There's been some stuff that I thought was interesting and it's still a moneymaker. So, you know, I can understand. But I feel like right now there's place for a hard reset. Or at least they're doing a hard reset in Japan. And I don't think these are the people to do it if that makes sense but here's something that we also have to keep in mind Dantaku coming up in June it is the uh, is the birthplace anniversary right of Bullet Club Dantaku typically not always it has had a tradition in the past, but I feel like, a, you know, over the past couple of years, pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Then Taku hasn't been as, you know, mind-shattering and eventful as it once used to be. 
Maybe they've got something up their sleeve for Dantaku that is going to blow our minds, but also maybe not. And if not, well, I can't say I'm excited with the um, with the place that the Bullet Club is on right now. But look, nonetheless, the attack was cool. I love the angle. Um, ELP hitting the bricks, Ishimori faking out. It, it all works. I love that. I love that shit. It's, it's basic. It works. And uh, I'm excited to see what's next for ELP and the Bullet Club. A lot of stuff. A lot of big questions here. And like I also mentioned, out of this, we're get we're probably going to get Dave Finley versus um, Tomatonga for the Never Title. Now, from this point on. This show is impeccable. Impeccable. Moving forward from this moment on, once they've cleared the ring of the Bullet Club remnants, this show is unstoppable. Mercedes Monet successfully defended the IWGP women's title against Izumi and Hazuki. It was a great match that lived up to the high-speed moniker. You have in this match Mercedes Monet hanging with two of the stalwarts of stardom's high-speed staple, right? Two women that you, that you identify with the high-speed matches in Japan, in stardom. Just some great exchanges that she was doing at first too. But all three of them. But Mercedes is just keeping up. She's keeping up with Hazuki and Izumi without any issues. She's just hanging there. She's doing some of these excellent seamless chains of offense that just make the high-speed stuff a, star, a standout in stardom. And everyone's bumping. Everyone is working their ass off. And it was dramatic. And it was great. And Mercedes Monet wins with the moneymaker. We, look. We absolutely have to emphasize how easily Monet kept up with these women. Okay? We have to, we have to underscore it. Make sure that everyone understands because this is someone who has never wrestled this style. This is someone who has not, who hasn't been gone from the WWE house style for all that long, right? Where she's been trained and developed in for most of her career. She, Mercedes, for everyone saying she would not be able to hang, despite the rocky start at the, at the Wrestle Kingdom presentation, she has been devouring every minute she's been in, in the ring in each of her matches and she has been displaying shit that unequivocally display that she is the best wrestler out of the four horsewomen. And I've talked about it before, months ago, tweeted about it. In my opinion, as far as work rate goes, being a pro wrestler and everything that that entails in the ring, Sasha has always been the best. 
Then it oscillates between Charlotte and, and, and Bailey. And Becky's at number four. And I've seen it, and everyone's like, oh, her sloppy matches with Charlotte. And then the rest of all of her, of her, the catalog of her work in WWE, she has always shown that she gets it, that she understands pro wrestling, that she watches tape, that she picks up on shit, that she's good at it, that she loves pro wrestling. It's a passion of hers. You can tell. And now she's hitting these arenas, she's hitting these matches. And she's tearing it apart. She hasn't had a bad match yet. She's okay. She's had three. Who, who the fuck cares? They've been three high profile matches. Extremely high profile matches. I, I, I couldn't care less. Is it three or two? I have the impression three. But it's two, right? Was this her second match? That was an incredible match. And you know, I tweeted this out. Paraphrasing a little bit, you know, what, what I was saying here about, it, it was two, it was two matches. I apologize. Thank you, Kurt. Um, but it was two. But she killed them in both. And the other one was such a high stress, high profile match. And then the follow up here. And now she's going to be fighting Mayu Watani. What, this fucking weekend, right? Oh, on April 23rd. Sorry. Start them all. Grand Queendom is on April 23rd. I'm excited to see the match. Yeah, I want it to happen this weekend. So I tweeted it out about, you know, her leaving the house style and then getting into this seamlessly and just going. And people are like, and of course I get the nerds, right? I get the bozos coming after me. You know, say, well, maybe uh, she was never that good to begin with. First of all, fuck off, okay? That's that's garbage. But I also get people saying, you know, well, you, this is where she learned her fundamentals in WWE. You know, I can't believe that you're saying that, they, you know, the WWE is terrible at training wrestlers. I know what I said. We have to be able to recognize, though, that WWE has a house style. And if you don't recognize it, I don't know what to tell you. It's time for you to start watching some tape. But WWE has a house style. It's slower. It's more restrictive. It's overly produced. The wrestlers are absolutely 100% told what they can or cannot do. So Sasha, probably because she's a wrestling nerd, because she's a geek like us, is watching all of... It's getting in these, these, these matches, these three to five minute matches, like she spoke about at the press conference, which I laughed my ass off. It's like, look, I'm being wasted here. I can do more. I can be better than this. And that's why she left. Probably wasn't because of the money. Probably not because of the money. She left because she wanted to wrestle. She wanted to wrestle with her, her you know, completely unshackled without being told what to do. I'm not questioning her fundamentals. I'm not getting into a is the PC worth it debate or not? That it's bullshit. I'm not, I don't have time for that. But what I am saying, and you have to be, you know, dense as a post to not recognize that there is a house style that she had been wrestling in for years. And for her to completely abandon that house style within 
a few months, a year maybe at the most, whenever she left. It's been a year approximately now, right? We're gonna we're coming on to a year since she walked out of WWE and she come a, a style that she'd been wrestling week after week after week over multiple days that she'd been used to and now she's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slide into this you know this highly demanding highly reactionary type of wrestling that I never did uh, that I've never done in North America and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assimilate it easily holy fuck. She's not getting enough credit for that. That was, that is some amazing, amazing transference. That is some skill that she is demonstrating there. She is a pro wrestler. She loves wrestling. Fucking ruled. And yes, I did see the card on, on uh, the, the All-Star Grand Queendom card. And it's insane. We'll probably talk about it next week. Anyway, great match. And into another great match. Zack Sabre Jr. successfully retained the New Japan World Television title against Shota Umino. And it, another one that ruled. It ruled. And I like how in this, in, in this whole tale that Shota and, um, and, and Zack have, that Zack has established himself as a foil for, for, for Shota. I like how this has been established, right? Sure, Shota beat him recently in the New Japan Cup. Um, and But now, for the title, didn't quite work out. But I like how he was able to keep up with Sabre, right? And starting to starting to pick up on, on old Zach's cues, right? Zach, you know, was probably like, well, uh, aren't you still a young lion kind of thing? You know, and he's pulling out the stuff, but, you know, no. It's like... Uh, uh, you know, uh, sh uh, showed out a couple of times. It's like, oh, you're going for a Euro clutch. Well, hey, let me land one of my own. Let me reverse out of this and land one of my own. It's just, just some great stuff. A fun sequence to wrap this up where Zack Sabre Jr. kicks out of a Death Rider and a Cradle DDT, but the Euro clutch gets the win for our boy, um, for our boy Zack. I'm still warming back up to Shoda. After having, uh, you know, a an interesting start to 2023, then things getting a little rough, getting a little matches in there. And I'm like, oh, Shota, what are you doing? And I'm, and I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I'm still keeping him at arm at arm's length. I mean, he's having great matches with Zack Saber Jr. He's having great matches with Will Ospreay. Getting gets into the ring with uh, Tetsuya Naito in a main event, stinks up the joint. I'm like, well, so you know, he's in these he's in these awesome matches with incredible in ring IQs like Osprey, like Zack Saber Jr. I, you know, I sort of shrug my shoulders like, yeah, you know, Zack Saber Jr. could get a three star match out of me. You know, Will Ospreay could get a three-star match out of me. So, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm not back on the roughneck train just yet. The shooter Shota Umino train just yet. I'm, uh, 
I can appreciate that he's still a work in progress. I can appreciate that uh, there that New Japan is pushing hard to make this kid a star. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm being just a little careful, just a little careful before going my back and saying, "Yep, showed us back, baby." You know, I, I and I understand his. You know, his match in the New Japan Cup was against Yujiro. And Yujiro is Yujiro. What are you going to do with a sack of shit like Yujiro, right? But then again, you know, if... Look, I, I understand he's still young. Yujiro's the vet. Yujiro's probably calling the match. He's probably, you know, you know, uh, Shota's being... You know, he's doing his best with what Yujiro's giving him. And Yujiro, Yujiro stinks. So, you know... I need to see him in these. I need to see more of Shota in these possibilities, in these instances where he can fail. It's hard. It's hard to consider that he can fail against Zack Saber Jr. or Will Ospreay. And I would have argued that it would be hard to fail in the ring with Tetsuya Naito as well. And yet, you know, that one stunk. Um, I don't know. Look, in a vacuum, this match, fantastic. It ruled. Check it out. It's great. And, and I, I'm not wishing any ill will on him. I hope he continues to, to grow and improve. Because he clearly has it. He's got it, you know. He's not, he's not a slouch. He's not a Dominic, you know, God forbid. IWGP Tag Team... A uh, title match saw Aussie Open defeat Bishamon to become the new tag team champions. This ruled. It's probably my match of the night. I am considering adding it, adding it to my match of the year. Candidacies. This was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And you know what it made it even better? And I know, look, it sucks. It sucks. The Orihara moonsault, right? That Fletcher does. And he cracks his skull on the, uh, the side of his head on the railing, right? Man, that shit sucks. And we are lucky that he didn't get... That he wasn't more severely injured. That he wasn't like completely concussed and taken out. He just got busted open. Accidental blood. But I'll be goddamn if that didn't add to this match. That it didn't add to the drama of how the of of this match right here. That was outstanding. And you could not have planned it better. Comes back into the ring and he's got the, the head wrap. And the blood is starting to pool under the head wrap. The white. And you're like. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, Jesus, wrestling is so good. Wrestling rules. What 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 do you want from me? I, I I'm a simple man. I, I'm a simple man. I don't require fucking Shakespeare all the time. It's a hell of a visual. And this, everything in this match was meaningful. Hard-hitting. Brutal. I'm still, you know, you're talking about, I'm talking about not quite being on the back, back on the, the Shota Umino train. I am still the conductor of the Mark Davis train. This guy is 
fucking brilliant. And he has seen such a good role in this team, but in this promotion as well. The crowd is alive for Aussie Open in this match. They win the titles with Coriolis. People are chanting for them. They're doing the oi, oi, oi. Just a fantastic, outstanding main event. And they did, they being New Japan, did a very good job with Bishamon over the past couple of months. To the point where I was like, they're probably going to drag this out a little more. And when I say drag, I don't mean this, you know, in any pejorative, in, in a pejorative sense. I, you know, I thought they were going to add a few more defenses to really establish uh, that Bishamon are top tier, number one level kind, you know, uh, superstars. I really thought that, this, that, that that was the route that we were going to go here. Guess I was wrong. You know, they, look, they, they, you know, they got the big win off of FTR. They got the big win off of uh, the Dream Team, and uh, they just couldn't couldn't quite hack it against Aussie Open. One of the best tag teams in the world. And this match ruled. It ruled on every level. And 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 you know, I, you know, this might might be redundant because I know commentary hammered this home, but I think they're right. I think they're one hundred percent right. Uh, uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi found their niche in New Japan Pro Wrestling as being uh, tag team specialists, as being uh, as being Bishamon. It just worked. It just connected. You know, they they have they do have great chemistry. They do work really well together. It was a convincing, it wasn't hard to get behind this team and see them as convincing because they were. Because they won matches. Because they won matches uh, decisively with great action and great uh, uh, synergy between the two guys. So, you know, they're, you know, they're not, uh, uh, you know, wrapping things up by any stretch of the imagination. This this tag team is going to continue. You know, and... Um, especially in New Japan, you know, we we oftentimes lament the state of the of w, of WWE's tag team division, but you know, New Japan's tag team division isn't it's not anything to write home about. But the few teams that they do have are these days are spectacular, just outstanding pro wrestlers, outstanding tag teams. On top of it, so you know, you get. Uh, you get uh, uh, our boys uh, Aussie Open here in this match. They win. They're champions. They're going to carry the belts for a while, I'd assume. This is great stuff. And the match was just outstanding. Just a, a, a you know, a stellar performance of tag team wrestling. And... In, in in ways that just made the fight beautiful. It was a fight. And it was grueling and it was brutal. I, I loved every second of it. Go out of your way to see it. Because it was very, very good.
IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship was also on the line. Hiromu, uh, Hiromu, Hiromu Takahashi successfully retained his title against Robbie Eagles. I thought this was very good. Very, very good match. Super strong. We have the newly minted Robbie Eagles in the uh, TMDK group. And he works over Hiromu's leg throughout the match. He did a lot of the heavy lifting in this match here. He got all his shit in and then some. Um, this match they really put over the Ron Miller special as a devastating finisher. Uh, tremendous dive. He does this absolutely tremendous and insane dive uh, to the floor. And he just works the knee. Uh, Hiromu's knee throughout the entire match. And Hiromu, then he's, he's absolutely 100% in full, I'm selling the shit out of this mode. You'd swear he were, it, he was selling this as if someone was ripping at his kidneys, trying to yank them out of his body. Just fantastic stuff. Great sequence of backdrop drivers and Germans between the two. Hiromu hits the time bomb. Doesn't quite get the job done. Robbie Eagles lands and he lands an avalanche poison Rana where Hiromu lands square on his crown. Like, Jesus, man. He locks in a Ron Miller special. Hiromu struggles in it for a long time. He lands the dynamite plunger, followed by the time bomb, too, to get the win. Uh, like I said, this was very good. Would I call it great? No, but this was an outstanding match. It was fantastic. I guess we might be holding out one for best of super juniors. Maybe. Maybe you got one in the chamber. Again, I'm talking about Best of Super Juniors, but we haven't heard any news about Best of Super Juniors. There's all sorts of other news, but no news about Best of Super Juniors. It was a good match. It looked very good, but, you know, I think these two had a better match with each other previously. Uh, the one where, um, specifically where uh, Robbie Eagles won the title off of Hiromu, was it two years ago, 18 months ago? And remarkably, uh, I would say, one of Hiromu's lowest efforts in the past couple of months where I thought he was on a resurgence. I thought that everything he was doing was really good. The Noah shows, the Leo Rush match, uh, his uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. Um, previous to that, I thought he was going through, like this was a standard Hiromu match where Hiromu eats shit, sells a lot, then pulls out a win for the, pulls out a, a, a move for the win. That had become a pattern. And then Hiromu started to get excited again. Didn't quite, uh, didn't quite get that level of Hiromu here. And then the main event, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was on the line. And Sonata defeated Kazuchika Okada to become the new champion. So, the, the completely reinvented Sonata, uh, not just leaving LIJ, shedding the extra facial hair, uh, 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 getting rid of the old gear, getting rid of the old entrance gear, getting rid of the old entrance music, complete reinvention of Sonata, comes in, comes out, IWGP World Champion. Good match. Can't say like I, I was blown away. I thought the final third was exciting, but this was solid, good. And I would say uh, some of Sonata's most compelling matches. I think there's people, there's a lot of people who like this match more than I did, and that's okay. There's some people who are verging on 
and been calling this a match of the year, I wouldn't go that far. But I thought this was a strong, good match. And again, like I said, one of, if not Sanada's best New Japan match. I mean, the story here is that he was hanging with Okada, right? That was the basis here, which is a big deal in and about itself. And then he does his callbacks to uh, Great Muda with some moonsaults and a shining wizard. And I like the, what was the line that Chris Charlton uses, used? <clears throat> he said something to the effect, you know, ca- heart, calling back to the fact that Sonata was a, was a Muta apprentice. He said the great thing about Kaiji Muto is that, you know, he will, he will, if he likes you, he will treat you as if you're number one, but without ever positioning you as number one. Something to that effect. I was like, oh, that's, that's Kaiji Muto right there. Uh, Sonata eats an Emerald Flosion. But uh, Okada blocks, uh, by Okada, but uh, he, so he Sonata blocks a Rainmaker and into the Deadfall for the win. That's the name of the modified DDT as they've been calling it. So here we are. Here, the, the, here we go. This is the thing here. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us were convinced that uh, Okada was going to do it again. You know, Gato does have this uh, this booking fallacy where he's going to seemingly push a new guy, give him, you know, give him a repackage, uh, put him on a winning streak, so on and so forth. And then, whoop, you know, when it comes time for the big match, oh, still can't get the job done. So, you know, I was like, well, how much is Gato really behind this? How much, you know, and I mean behind, what I mean behind, I mean supportive. How is he ready to, to go all in on this? Um, well, he's like, look, okay. You want to be the top guy? Here you are, you're the top guy. Okay, well, this is very interesting. Right? Because this is what we were, you know, for years, people have been saying Sonata's the next top guy, right? Sonata should be a top guy. What is he doing hanging around these mediocres? What is he doing in the mid card? He should be a top guy. He should be a top guy, right? And me too. For a while, at least, admittedly, like, Sonata, it's time to elevate him. Sonata, it's time for the push. Sonata, it's his G1. Sonata, it's his New Japan Cup. Like, it, you know, he's going to finally beat Okada. And he never does. He'd always fall short in booking, right? But also in execution. And I think there's an exhaustion that exists in, regarding, uh, in regards to Sonata. Because he's been in, B, in, he's been in these big time matches before. And it's not that people didn't believe that he couldn't beat him, couldn't win the big match. Is that he would get to the big match and he would under-deliver. He'd underperform, And that would leave, generally speaking, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So now clearly Ghetto is like, okay, no, no, let's let's go. We're gonna now we're gonna try this guy out. Now, you know, we're rejuvenating him, we're giving him, you know, we're giving him the the the, the star treatment. Uh, new stable, he's the, you know, he's the front man of the stable, uh, we're going to push these guys, and we're going to push him, he's the champ, let's try it out, and I'm completely for this, I'm 100%, and okay, with the idea of trying this out, and seeing what happens next, I mean, we know that the Bushi Road office has been putting Gato under pressure, for pushing newer, new, younger, handsome guys, right? Good-looking dudes. So there you go. Look, 
Sonata is not a young guy per se. You know, he's not in his 20s. When you think about a young guy, you're maybe going, oh, Red Narita. Oh, Shooter. You know, it's like, you know, Sonata is not the youngest guy on the roster. He's not the oldest, but he's not the youngest. He's what, like 35? So he's not too old either. I mean, look, shaved down, the little hairdo, the... The guy is handsome. There's no, you know, we can't, you, we can't mince words here. He is a good-looking man. So, on that front, he's connecting, right? The, with, I guess, the desire from the office, like, look, let's get some new fresh faces in here. And especially when it comes to, especially when you consider that your main event stalwarts, at least some of them, they're getting a little up there in age. You know, you can't necessarily, look, you can't necessarily count on Naito all that much anymore. Naito's 40, sure, but his his body's taking a fucking beating and he's not the Naito he once was, which is fine. Uh, um, Tanahashi, he's pushing up there, mid-40s. We know the status of his body. We can even see it. It's like, man, uh, you know, uh, Tanahashi will only be able to cling to this top spot that he's always in for so long, right? And so, and, and so you know, there's that part. And then if it's not the part of, well, these guys are getting a little old and can't necessarily hang, then there's the question of, well, it's always the same guys, right? It's always the same guys in the main events. It's always Okada. It's always Naito. It's, a, it's always Jay White, but Jay White is gone. And you don't have Kota Ibushi there anymore to, to mix things up. So really... When you think about, when you when you look at it this way, with Jay White out the door, with Cody Ibushi saying, so long, don't let the good Lord hit you where the door splits you. Um, Gato is in need of some top guys. He's absolutely in need of, uh, 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 of some new main event talent because he's lost two of his stalwarts that he could really lean into. Two others which are getting up there in age and that you can't always run back on again. And we're getting into the G1 season, slowly but surely. So, well, not just yet, but, you know, we're eventually going to get there. So, you know, we got to mix things up a little bit. He has to create these new top guys. So, I think it is a, you know, from a booking perspective, from a business perspective, it makes tons of sense. It... it uh, might as well try it out. Might as well see what happens. The only way to know if Sonata will be a top guy, a top draw, is if you put him in these positions. Let's see how business goes. Let's see, you know, let's see, let's see what the observable metrics can tell us in regards to Sonata's run as world champion. We've got some big shows coming up. We've got some big ones lined up. I've done Taku, which is not that far away. So yeah, on the business side of things, it makes a little sense. Creatively, <laughs> I don't know, I'm a little bummed. I'm a little bummed because um, I really liked um, post Kiyomiya Okada, who was so just mad at the world, like so angry and and um, aggressive, just 
unnecessarily aggressive because he was so pissed off that he had to go waste some time with this low-level Noah scrub. <laughs> and it translates... See, he, he was... He's such a pro that he included that into his... Uh, into his on-screen character in New Japan. That's the kind of fucking professional this guy is. So I'm a little disappointed because I really liked it. And, you know, an angry, you know, unstoppable Rainmaker train. Sure. I would I you could you could have fed me months of that shit. I would have been gobbling it up. But look, change of scenery, we're trying stuff out. But here's something that I don't know if y'all thought about. Here's something that is uh very interesting to think about. We have Kazuchika Okada now coming uh, coming closer and closer into Forbidden Door 2 territory without the IWGP world championship which from a booking slash political point of view makes things a lot simpler to book makes things a lot simpler to book so because you know because you can put okada with another guy with another AEW guy whoever that person may be and you don't have to contend with a title you don't have to contend with this guy being currently my face of the company of course yeah, sure i'm not saying that there's no chance in hell that okada could get the title back in the meantime i mean he could you know i'm not i'm you know i'm not gonna lie that one of the one of the things that it's um that is unnerving me the fact uh, in regards to Okada not having the title right now is are we going to head into the G1 with another Okada win? But let's cross that bridge when we get there. All I'm saying right now is that from a negotiation table perspective, when Tony and Gato sit down face to face and pull out their notebooks and they start uh, sharing notes on who should win and how and what and they start getting creative on the booking... The IWGP, you can put Okada in a big time match and the title isn't involved. So that makes things easier, makes things simpler. I mean, why not send pissed off Okada, right? To, to, to North America where he's like, why do I have to fight these scrubs now, Gato? Why do I have to fight these underlings interesting look just a food for thought okada free of a title okada free of a title for forbidden door 2 is good news is interesting and then after the match also to to note hiromu takahashi came in to challenge um, Sonata for the uh, um, IWGP world title, which he accepted. And he could have just poo-pooed him away, right? 
He really could have just like be like, no, you're a junior. Hit the bricks, right? What a show. What a fantastic, eventful, uh, action-packed show. It's one of my top three shows of the year so far. Puro is back, baby. And now they're going to be doing, they're doing another joint show with all Japan and Noah. I swear to God, we should have pandemics more often. Now, if Sakura Genesis was the thing, then we got, if, if that wasn't eventful enough, we got a bevy of news coming out of all of this. First of all, G1 Climax 33 is coming back this summer. We got the official launch date for this, July 15 in Hokkaido, going through 19 events to wrap up on August 13 in Rio Goku. So 19 events overall. That hopefully means that we are going to return to the two-block 20-man field. I hope so. I mean, they could pack the events, you know, whatever. But it's a... It, not as many dates as last year. So that's a good sign. I hope we're going back down. And you know what? The, the, the table is set. The environment is prime for involvement from wrestlers from other promotions here's the thing that crossed my mind do what you will what if what if kaito kiyomiya gets his gets into the the g1 sort of to continue on this story he's like now i'm gonna prove to this motherfucker Okada. That I'm one of the boys. That I'm that I'm that he won't be able to ignore me anymore and I'm gonna come in and win this, right? I'm just Just saying. But look the floor, look, the floor in Japan is completely open. The doors, there are no forbidden doors. Everything everything is 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 gushing like a like a white water uh, uh, river. A white water What's the term? White water rafting, right? But white is it a white water river? Anyway. A raging river of whiteness. <laughs> that sounded bad. <laughs> a raging river of collabs between uh, the Japanese promotions, right? So I, w I wouldn't be surprised that we see multiple representation in, in the G1 this year. Just by the way things are going right now. I wouldn't be surprised at all i would not be surprised to see an AEW guy this year uh in the uh in the thing as well maybe one or two i mean look we're not uh you know unless we get we start revisiting summer 2022 in, uh, in AEW again this year and and tony khan is like man i cannot send you anyone gato my 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 house of cards is coming down right now. I need to keep everyone here. Maybe we'll get one or two interesting exports. 
look, if CM Punk isn't back in the locker room, we'll be fine. Um, no, I, I see a good, I, I see a good floor for uh, a lot of interesting matchups and, 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 and I will, I, I, God, keep bad luck Fale out, keep Yujiro out. My main criticism of the G1 last year is that it was that the, the guys who are clearly booked to lose matches are so terrible that I don't want to watch the matches. And this is the G1. Like, this is the pinnacle of wrestling tournaments on an international scale. There is not a bigger pro wrestling tournament on planet Earth than the G1. More grueling, more exciting, more diverse. I don't want to sit through bad luck folly matches this year, Gato. I don't want to sit through Yujiro just because he has to, we have to, we, he, he's a guy who doesn't give a shit about eating L's all the time. I don't want to see him wrestle. Bring in some guys, young guys from Japan, freelancers, or younger guys from the US who just want some exposure, just want to bring in some strong guys who just want to work the fucking G1. But who can at least deliver some matches? Jesus fucking Christ. Don't put Kenta. You know, don't need Kenta in there. Fred Rosser's a great choice. Fred Rosser, Fred Ro put Kevin Knight in there. Kevin Knight is great too. Kevin Knight will eat the L's, but he'll put on a, he'll put on Star star matches every time. It's the G1. You know? Every night of the G1, you should be out of your seat for every match. So, so that's exciting. Um, of course, I will be back with my continuous coverage of the G1 just like I've been doing for the past couple of years we're going to be doing that again this year you know not a lot of people cover the not a lot of uh not a lot of people cover the G1 like I do so be sure to hang on to the to the best D-list podcast subscribe today and then another announcement if that wasn't enough if we weren't excited about the G1 and weren't excited enough we got an announcement for the IWGP US title that was going to be defended, there was going to be a, a tournament actually to determine the number one contender for Kenny Omega's US title. In fact, it was announced uh, by New Japan just past Sunday that Kenny Omega will face the winner of a four-man tournament with the number one contender being decided at Dominion on June 4. The tournament participants will be Hiroshi Tanahashi, Lance Archer, Juice Robinson and Will Osprey. Will Osprey. G. Willikers. I wonder how this one's going to turn out. Archer is going to fight uh, Juice at Collision in Philadelphia, uh, uh, which is a New Japan event being held on Sunday, April 16, this weekend. And uh, not. Uh, wait, today's the 11th, in a couple of days. 
this weekend. <laughs> and Tanahashi versus Osprey will be set in uh, Long Beach, California at the Resurgence Show on May 21st. Then the semifinals will uh, the Archer versus Robinson and Tanahashi versus Osprey winners will face off at Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall on Sunday, June 4. And that will establish the number one contender for Kenny Omega's IWGP world, uh, IWGP US title, which will probably be defended at Forbidden Door 2. I think, I think that's a safe lock. I think that's a safe bet. Something that I was expecting. Didn't expect the tournament, but it's something that I was expecting. You know, you get the you get the first match, you know. Uh, uh, Tony Khan sends Kenny Omega to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. Says, here, have him. I, you get the first match. I want the rematch. He and Ghetto shake hands. There we go. And we got a third one in the chamber. We, we, got, we got ourselves a rubber match at the same time. So I really think that this is what we're going for. I think we're going for Osprey and, and 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 Omega for Forbidden Door Two. That's the match. That is the that is the match that you run in North America. It's in the chat, you know. It's like, uh, yeah, but that's where the money is. That's where you roll it. And if you think that you can't you can't load it up a third time, let's say for a show at Wembley Stadium, you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> you are. Absolutely 100% wrong if you think this match can't happen at Wembley in a couple of months. You have the matches, run them. This is big time. This is the this is the biggest match you can run on North American soil. Osprey Omega 2. It's going to be awesome. And that's going to, and you know what? That's going to deliver. So, you know, so what if Forbidden Door is sold out or whatever? It won't be about the tickets anymore. It's going to be about the papes. It's going to be about the buys. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing here. Osaka Joe Hall, uh, not Osaka Joe Hall, uh, uh, Forbidden Door. Uh, 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 you, you, you put that on, you put that on the card. That's essentially your main event. That's what's going on last. That's what's driving 160,000 buys, 170,000 buys. Easily. So that's some exciting news. And then, well, we spoke about it. Wrestling Duntaku. Well, I, we, we, we Dominion. As Osaka Joe Hall, that's going to happen. But then we also got... An announcement for Wrestling Dantaku, which is the next big New Japan show that's going to be happening on May 3rd. We already have a few matches confirmed there. Sonata will be defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Hiromu Takahashi. The Never Openweight title will also be defended. Tamatanga versus David Finley. Um, then we also have announced the never openweight six-man tag titles on the line with strong style, Suzuki, Desperado, and Ren Narita defending against Kazuchika Okada and two opponents 
of Okada's choice. Getting spicy. Okada tweeted out after losing the the uh, the the match against um, Sonata. He said, "Yeah, maybe I need a change of scenery too." Huh. We have Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jeff Cobb. And uh, that might be for the uh, that might be for the and the New Japan Pro Wrestling World TV title if and only if uh, Zack Sabre Jr. can defeat Tom Lawler, who is his next challenger at Capital Collision um, this weekend in DC. Zack Sabre Jr. is defending the title against uh, against uh, uh, Tom Lawler. So if Tom Lawler wins the title, I guess it will be just a singles match. <laughs> I don't even really know that's not happening, but that's what we get. And then we have the strong openweight title, Kenta versus Hikaleo. I could not be less excited for a match if you uh if you put me to sleep Kenta versus Hikaleo is not something I want uh I want to spend time on I really don't but to cap this all off uh we have one more match on the way and I'm going to read the description directly from the NewJapan1972.com website. We're going to have a unique kickoff bout for Don Taku, where we'll see the first ever Young Lion Hat Trick Challenge match. Get ready for this, folks. One of four Young Lions, uh, Ryohi, I can't pronounce his first name. I'm going to have... Excalibur is going to have to school me on this one. Ryohei Oiwa, Yuto Nakashima, Oscar Lodebe, and Bolton Oleg will compete in three five-minute matches. Should they be able to run the gauntlet and win all three, they will be granted a future shot at the New Japan World TV Championship as well as 200,000 yen of Yakiniku Barbecue, courtesy of, uh, of CS Asahi, rich and delicious prizes in the... <laughs> what the fuck? It's, who cares about... Who cares about the TV title shot? They're getting... They're getting $200 worth of barbecue. Of Yakiniku Barbecue. Let's do some research together here. Yakiniku barbecue. Let's say, let's take a look at this. And uh, yeah, so okay, so it's just like a grill. It's like a that's all it is. It's uh, just barbecue. You're gonna say you're gonna get shit to throw on the grill. That is fantastic. I what a great 
And you know what? Here's the thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm stoked to see this. This is like, this is a dope little thing to do with the, with the young lions. You know, with that, again, you know, we've talked about it. I talked about it again. New Japan wanted their, want the young guys to cycle out of the young lions stuff. And that's creating some controversy, right? So there's probably a lot of pushback to bringing the young lions up onto the main spotlight too early because they're not ready. But this is a good way to give them some shine without, you know, making them suddenly like, you know, top guys. I love the idea of this match. I'm really excited to see the execution. The All of these, you know, Oiwa, Nakashima, Loibe, and, and Bolt and Oleg. They're all fat. Bolt and Oleg, brother. Let's be real. If there's one guy who should win this, it is him. I want to see this guy get twisted up by Zack Sabre Jr. I'm not going to lie. That shit's going to rule. Bolton Oleg, Bolton Oleg is, he is exactly what New Japan used to love in its guy gene, right? This, this guy, this guy, Inoki would have bent himself backwards to book this guy, to get him in here. He looks like a fucking beast. He's an amateur wrestler. He's got the pedig- He's got everything that Inoki would have loved. And now we've got this thing here for 200 with the barbecue on top of that Bolton Oleg could eat 200,000 yen worth of yakiniku barbecue in one sitting and that is actually something I want someone to make a vlog out of I want him to I want to see him eat that 200,000 yen worth of barbecue that's what I want So that'll be fun. And then they they said that they were going to announce the the cards for the best of super juniors on May 3rd as well. You know, I'm I'm excited to hear about that. And Hiromu is going to have another before uh, his uh, his title match against Sonata. Excuse me, against Sonata. What was that all about? Uh, Before his announcement, his match against Sonata, he's going to have another match against Yoshinobu Kanemaru uh, on the tour on the Road 2 show. I think it's on the Hiroshima show, April 27. And we're finally going to get Catch 2-2 back. Uh, TJP and Francesco Akira, one of the three best tag teams in the world, uh, as they are going to defend the junior heavyweight tag team titles against Kushida and Kevin Knight, who issued a uh, challenge to the champion. So... Lots of news news. And like I said, on top of that, there's an announcement coming for another joint show between New Japan, All Japan, and NOAA. It's a good time to be a Puro fan. And if you're if you're new to this, if you're listening to me talk about Japanese wrestling and you're like, man, this shit sounds cool, it's a great time to jump in. Especially in New Japan. They're shuffling the cards, they're trying out new shit. You don't have to. And there's no, there's no interminable stories to get involved in. You just have to enjoy good wrestling and you'll be able to get on board fairly quickly. It's a, I think it's a good time to get into Puro. It's a good time to get into Japanese wrestling. And I hope I, you know, I hope I give you the, 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 uh, 
that that I can uh, give you the, the 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 desire to watch them if you don't, and if you're not sure where to start, eh, get on Discord, send me an email, send me a DM. It'll be my pleasure to help you out. It'll be my pleasure right now to end this because we are done with the uh, with as we like to call the weekly wrestling. Discussion. It wasn't a four-hour marathon like last week, but you can't... Those are for special occasions. You can't do that every week. I'm just, just going to burn myself out. And then at some point, you're going to be like, this motherfucker never shuts up. I, I can't do it every week. Got to keep those special. You got to keep, you know, keep them wanting more. As the showbiz uh, adage goes, listen, listen, watch, look. Hey, thank you all very much for taking the time to listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show this week. I appreciate it a great deal. If you're watching on YouTube right now, a like and or a subscription would be great. Hopefully I worked hard for your subscription and I've earned it. Um, so it would be my pleasure, my honor to have you hanging around here and doing the bell gimmick and I'll re-announce Thank you, JS Brown. Um, but uh, but that'd be great. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, well, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating on Spotify helps out a great deal. And just telling people about it and having a good time and popping in and saying hi to Warren, sending me a DM, sending me a tweet. Those things are fantastic. I'd appreciate it a great deal. But, hey, I will be back on Thursday for the weekly Dynamite Review. You can count on that, brother. Uh, it'll be a good time. I'm sure of it. Uh, otherwise, I will be back next Tuesday for another live edition of the show. We record at 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. If you ever want to make it, it would be great for you. It would be great to have you around. In the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your evening and a great week. And I'll see you next time.